Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Worth More podcast. I am your host, Cami Bleece, and so excited to introduce today's guest. Taylor Stern was an absolute joy to talk to and so wise. She has so much experience when it comes to navigating the digital space, not only from the perspective of working in it, but also in participating in it. Her background working for the Dallas Cowboys has made her a lover of sports long, long before she ever started there, but it made her only more entrenched in that industry and she talks all about her experience kind of navigating working for a big sports company like that transitioning to working for herself how she thrives her new podcast season starting soon struggles that she's overcome it was an absolute wonderful chat that we got to have and i cannot wait for y'all to listen to it so let's go ahead and jump right on in Hello, Taylor. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you, Cami. I'm so excited to be connected to you and, and to have this conversation. Yay. Well, I would love if you could just kind of tell the listeners kind of how you got to where you are, what you're doing, share a little bit about yourself, just so they can kind of know and learn about you and kind of where you're coming from expertise-wise and what all we'll be talking about. Yes, absolutely. So this is a little bit different, but I've been mainly in the sports industry since, honestly, since the day I started college. I was working for my college athletics department. And fortunately for me, I kind of, and I was just talking about this with somebody, when I was in college, you know, I went to college between 2010 to 2014. Mm-hmm. And social media was just starting to become something that brands were looking at. And then, okay, sports, it could be something that was live, real time. And I volunteered in the athletics department to be like, hey, I'll start all them. So I was really fortunate to kind of be at the forefront of digital media in sports mm-hmm. because prior to that, it was all print and it was all television. You know, that's where mm-hmm. we got our news. That's how we watch things, events, et cetera, et cetera. Television still prevalent. But print, unfortunately, has really seen the end of their days because everybody's online. Yeah. So fortunately for myself, I got into social media. I also started really getting involved with college football. And when I graduated, I worked for the Cotton Bowl at AT AT&T Stadium. And then a year later, I was with the Dallas Cowboys, where I had been for the past six years. And then, you know, as you know, most places when you start somewhere that young, like I did, where I was very fortunate, mm-hmm. I knew that I was eventually going to hit a ceiling just naturally because mm-hmm. of the fact that you don't want to stay at your first job forever. And yeah. I was fortunate enough to decide, hey, look, I'm going to start my own business, actually, mm-hmm. and kind of start representing different athletes and different brands and different companies via social. And so that's what I did in October of last year. I quit the Cowboys and I had started my own business. So doing that, and I'm also hosting a podcast too, as you know. And and so that's kind of how I got to where I'm at short version. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's, you know, it's so interesting just to see like where people got started and how their careers kind of developed. And I think that for you, like working in the digital space, like for such a long time, it's, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen it change a lot and change over the years. And I would love to know just what do you, what have you seen like have been some of the biggest changes, both maybe for the better and for the worse. I talk a lot about social media with 
people on the podcast because I think we're often talking about you know, comparison and all that type of culture and social media is such an easy space to do that. And so I would kind of love to know, like I said, like, where have you seen it change in a way that you think has been really good? Maybe things that it's changed that haven't been so good and all in between. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think my answer is going to go for both to be totally mm-hmm. honest. And I'll explain why I say that, but I'm going to say connection and mm-hmm. I'll start first with the good. And I'll say, Mm -hmm. you know, connection wise, I'm able to connect with people like you, right? You know, and in a space where that might have not been doable if you weren't in my region or in my direct community, my direct network, you know, think about when we were in high school, you know, you only focused on people that went to your high school. We had MySpace, but Mm -hmm. it was all very regional and very location based. I would say that now with the growth of social media, the popularity of it, the amount of users of all age ranges, you're able to be connected with Mm -hmm. somebody in another country. You're able to, you know, kind of find new people, new jobs, new information. I think that's all really, really positive. I think, you know, having the ability to connect with someone and not have it be where, oh, I can only connect with them if I live in LA or I live in New York or something like that. Yeah. It's a giant positive. I will say the same thing though, is that we're now missing connection. What is the definition of connection? It's really to connect with others. We have lost that. You know, when it first started, you think about what social media means. It was being social and it was being engaging and interacting and, and really connecting and resonating with one another. I think we've lost that in the sense where people are so, um, you know, singular focus. It's about Mm -hmm. them, what they're posting, it's their feed, they're curating their content. And I get that as somebody who works in social media, I understand the, the importance of it and the necessary, you know, nature of it. Right. But I would say that we're not focused on really hearing each other out and honestly it's probably because there's so much yeah so the ability to truly connect with somebody else is missing yeah no I think that that's actually like to your point such a double-edged sword like how amazing to connect with people all over the world and also like now we're struggling to connect with people in our homes we're struggling to connect to ourselves because so much of it is built around the image of who I am and trying like it's like you're just like yelling out to the world but you're like not listening to anybody you're just kind of like consuming consuming but we're not like digesting any of it and I definitely think as like we've had so many things go viral and so many big conversations happening across social media but so often very rarely are we having like truly you know like intentional dialogue it's mainly people just trying to be heard without ever listening back and forth to each other and I do think that that is definitely a detriment of social media for sure. And is something that has really shaped and changed how we now communicate with each other, which is just so weird to think about. So weird. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's definitely bizarre. And you get it where it's like, I think it's a good point, you know, and I'll say this now working remote. Mm -hmm. I consider sometimes if I do like a ton of Instagram stories and like, Oh, it was kind of like I went out into public, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you were in your backyard. The whole right. Day, right. Know? It's true. It's, it's interesting what we accept now as connection. And it's like yeah. some of my best friends, it's like, Oh, I haven't like talked on the phone to you in so long, but it's like, Oh, I saw your story. Oh, I saw mm-hmm. your post. I know what's going on. But it's like, 
do you really know what's going on with them? Do you know where they're struggling or where they need help or encouragement or where they're like celebrating in a way that maybe they wouldn't share? Like, I think we accept this like filtered social media version of our friends' lives or even ourselves' lives. And we accept that as like normal when really it's like we're missing the deeper parts of ourselves because we have now focused so much of our energy on creating this persona, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, a perfect example of that, when I quit my job, I'd quit my job on a Monday and on a Tuesday, I got a call from my dad that was saying, hey, I I think, you know, they found extra white blood cells and they're considering that I might have cancer. Mm. And so, you know, we were waiting this week long of not knowing, does he have cancer? What's happening? Which is for anyone who's ever dealt with cancer or different health issues in your family, you know, that time frame that I'm talking about, like where you hear there could be something and you're waiting for the results. It's the worst time mm-hmm. of your life. And so as I'm announcing and telling people like, I'm leaving the Cowboys, I'm doing this X, Y, and Z. Everybody's like, you're killing it. You're doing so good. Mm-hmm. Was I uh, posting about my dad's cancer diagnosis? No. Right. Because, you know, one, it's not my news to share at the time frame. We don't know anything. Yeah. And it's so tricky. That kind of news can get misinterpreted and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure in the perfect example of like my friends thinking, oh, I, yeah, I saw Taylor quit her job, you know, et cetera. They don't really know what's truly going on in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to have those people that you really can text in those moments and say like, here's what's really up with me. And I also think it's tricky, right? Because a lot of, a lot of us share, like myself included, you have control over who you follow, what you put on your feed, what you consume. And it puts a lot of the onus on the consumer. But I also think on the flip side, as the person sharing it, you don't, owe it to everyone to be vulnerable, right? There are boundaries and everyone is allowed to have their own boundaries of what they feel is appropriate to share and not appropriate. But I think it's important to just like also be real. Like we're realizing how much people are struggling with mental health. We're realizing how much people are struggling with comparison and eating disorders and body image issues and all of these things. And in a huge part in due to the rise of social media and us living our lives out on social media. And so I think to your point, it's really hard and interesting to find the balance of like, how much is it on me to follow people who I, who don't make me feel worse about myself, but then how much is it on the people that I follow to also not pretend like everything is okay all the time. And I think we're still learning that balance because social media, as much as it's been around for a lot of people, it also hasn't been around all that long. And I think there's still a lot more to figure out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So working in the digital space, I feel like can come with a ton of pressure in regards to like your appearance, both physically and lifestyle wise. How do you feel like you've navigated that kind of trying not to get sucked in when your job is to be essentially showing up all the time and like personifying yourself in a certain way? I mean, I can't lie. I did get sucked in. Mm -hmm. I definitely did. I you know, I, I think when I was in college, I started comparing myself to, you know, people like Karen Andrews, who's 5'10", 5'11", mm-hmm. you know, very slender build naturally. And mm-hmm. I'm 5'4", and always been on the curvier, kind of fuller side. Yeah. And so, you know, when you start seeing like, oh, well, these women are on TV. These are the women they're choosing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of when that started for me. And then you know, I've always been very self-conscious. I've struggled with my fair share of disordered eating, Mm. 
unhealthy patterns you know frankly it was never diagnosed but probably a more serious eating disorder in high school and and so kind of going into that it was it was a struggle and then when social media became more of like the personal branding type aspects that's when I really did struggle with it I would get tweets and you know I'd be on these different digital shows which you know it's not that many people watching it Mm -hmm. but for the people that would you know there were people that had no problem sending me a tweet like oh why'd you wear that outfit today your hips Mm -hmm. look wide wow things like that and and I didn't know how to process that you know I struggle with acne I struggle with you know my weight constantly fluctuating and so getting those types of messages, I would take them more personally than the people who were like, you look beautiful today. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. I mean, one, it blows my mind how comfortable people are, like, how comfortable people are saying stuff like that. Like, ew, why'd you wear that? You look gross or whatever it is. It's like the human being on the other side of that comment might, I'm just like, you must be hurting so much to say those things to people. I just like have to believe that. Otherwise, like the world is too dark of a place to contemplate otherwise but it is like also crazy how wild those are the things that stick those are the things that we absorb and hear versus the person saying like girl you killed it you sounded so eloquent you looked amazing you were so like empowering and strong and then you have somebody be like oh you looked gross and it's like everything else we lose and I think that people we do that all the time right off and on social media it's like we somehow absorb those negative comments and make that more defining than all of the positive comments. And people talk about that all the time where it's like that one bad review or that one bad note or something. And I think that it's, it's important as, as you spent more time, how do you feel like you, I mean, I want to say like, I feel like the easiest thing is like, Oh, I grew a thicker skin, but were there things that you kind of practiced or mindset shifts that you had to put in place to be more resilient to those types of comments? How do you feel like you shifted to where they, of course, still probably hurt your feelings, but from the first time you went on and had a negative comment to the 50th time you went on and had a negative comment, what do you feel like you were able to do it like in that in between? Yeah, there's a few things. Um, there, I think the biggest thing I learned was that, like you said, we're holding on, we're grasping on to these negative or kind of, you know, the hurtful comments. And I think what that is, is that's validating us. Mm-hmm. That even a, in a weird way, that is telling us, yep, you were right. You can see that pimple on your face. Mm-hmm. Or those stripes do make you look whiter than you thought. Mm-hmm. And it's validating you in a weird, twisted way that is really playing into the why those insecurities exist. And so... What I found is by doing a lot of self-love and positive affirmations mm-hmm. and pouring into yourself, mm-hmm. that kind of, it ends it. It doesn't validate it anymore. Yeah. I remember seeing from somebody, I don't know who it was. It might've been Sam Ponder because I just mm-hmm. think she's really smart, but she had shared one time when someone was asking her like, you know, Hey, how do you handle uh, the appearance comments? And I think I, I'm butchering this, so I apologize, <laughs> but. She had shared, you know, hey, anything we hear about our appearance is very, um, it's very subjective. You know, it's, mm. it's not the truth. So if someone were to tell you, Cammie, um, and you're blonde, I know no one can't see, if you can't see this, if you're not watching the video, she's, she has blonde short hair. Yeah. And I say, Cammie, wow, your red long hair is so beautiful. You'd be like, no, you're a crazy person. You're not yeah. seeing me. Mm. If I were to tell you, 
Cammy, you know, you're so beautiful and you felt like inside you weren't, you wouldn't believe me either. Mm. So it really does come into your self to self-belief and that's what builds confidence. Mm. Confidence mm. can't be based on anything subjective. It has to be objective. You have to feel strong in it. So as I got older and I got stronger and saying, you know what, this is my body. This is the this is the outer look I'm going to give to the world for the rest of the time I'm here. Mm-hmm. Let me embrace it. Let me own it. Yeah, I am curvy. Yeah, I am short. Yeah, I am all these things. Mm-hmm. I'm brunette. I struggled with my own hair color for a time mm-hmm. being. So those are the things that I think kind of help in the resistance and the resilience of it because it becomes something that they can no longer validate. Mm, I love that. And I think that that's, I love how you gave both of those examples to where like, you know, if you believe it's true or you don't believe it's true, like that is what is validating it. And I think you're so right. Like, and that's so much of what, you know, my company and my programming, we're talking a lot about worthiness and like what makes you feel worthy. And I think to your point at the end of the day, like you have to be able to define that for yourself on things Mm -hmm. that are unshakable. And that's why like, so often I try to remind women or people in general, like you're worth more than your weight. And if your self-confidence comes from being this certain size or looking this exact certain way, and then that changes, that can rock everything that you believe about yourself. So how can we make sure that our worth is not rooted in things that to your point are subjective or fluctuate or can be taken away from us or can change us. And I do think that that does take a lot of inner work and a lot of inner processing that is challenging and can feel really, I don't know, intimidating for people. Cause it just, if you don't believe that you're worth it, or you have struggled to believe that you're worth it to then try and tell yourself, you know, like I am lovable. I am beautiful. I am, you know, like curves are great and being short is amazing or whatever. If you haven't believed, if you've believed the opposite for so long, it can feel so weird to try and convince yourself of the other, you know, like that has to be a weird dichotomy to find the balance in between. Yeah, there's, there's a few things, right? Because I felt it with my worthiness on both, you know, intrinsically, extrinsically, I think another big thing is knowing that like, hey, we're all good the way that we are. Mm. You know, that kind of helps. And that kind of helps me kind of balance all that. Yeah, no, I think that that is honestly a really like simple, but like beautiful reminder, like at the end of the day, being like, we're all good, just the way that we are, like the way that we were created is good. It was intentional. It wasn't accidental, like all of these things. And And I think that that's something that like, your body is good, even if you don't really like it, your like, your weight or your life is good, even if you're not happy with certain things. And it's important to remember that like, just because you're feeling a certain way doesn't mean that it's not still good and still worth like treating kindly and taking care of. And I'm sure it's harder for individuals like yourself, whose job is so much to create this image and not a bad image by any means, just an image in general. Mm -hmm. And then that image is constantly under scrutiny. Now I know only because you mentioned her and I don't know if you like how much do you feel like after meeting Erin Andrews, who I know you were like comparing yourself to, do you feel like any of those insecurities kind of shifted or realizing like, oh, she probably has insecurities too. Or like, you know, we both have odds up against us or like, wow, I can see the value in her and how great it is that there's differences within me too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Erin's great and she's a hard worker, man. She, you know, busts her butt all the time. I I feel for Erin in the sense because she was kind of the only person that people had as an example for a while. And so mm. it's just easy to kind of kick her apart and, mm. oh, you know, she's too skinny. Weirdly, I'm very self, self-conscious self of my upper arms. And that mm. stems from something in high school. But she didn't like her arms. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Why don't you like your arms? She's like, they're so stick thin. I can't get any muscle on them, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, <laughs> oh God, I would like literally trade you right now. Yeah. You know? So that's a good example of like, you know, she was very self-conscious of her thin arms. And I'm thinking mm. like, gosh, those are my dream arms. Yeah. And so that's, you know, just an example of millions that people have where it's like oh this one thing that you don't like somebody else likes a hundred percent and it's again it's kind of talking about that like a flower doesn't compare itself to the next flower it just blooms and so that's you know kind of the focus and the mindset I keep now is like hey everybody's their own flower yeah yeah no I think that's so important and like the thing that you were envying from her I'll say in quotes like she was self-conscious about and you're just like and that's like the wildest thing like you know to remind yourself that the person you're comparing yourself to has their own insecurities about the exact thing that you wish you had which means if you had that exact thing you probably would still be insecure so we're constantly chasing these ideas assuming that they will make us happier or more lovable or more successful when ultimately at the end of the day it's like there are people that have all of those things and they don't feel better about themselves the way that you assume that it would. So what's stopping you from embracing exactly where you are right now and making that good, making that valuable and successful and happy and all of those things that you're maybe unintentionally just trying to put off until you think that it's like perfect or right, as I say that in quotes for obviously people who can't see. <laughs> yeah, no, um, you're 100% right. When it comes to kind of the pressure, I know, especially like working with the Cowboys and probably a lot of athletes, like I'm sure you were surrounded a lot kind of like by a lot of men and around like a very like man's world of sports. And that is not something I have really like any experience in or insight in. So I would love to kind of know when it comes to that pressure that we have as women to show up in a like a specific way, how did you sort of combat that in such a world where that narrative might be very counterintuitive or challenging and that kind of thing? So, you know, yes, absolutely. That is present. And I would say my best advice for anybody who's encountered any sort of sexism, feelings of favoritism, feelings like, you know, now there's this new term via TikTok, pretty privilege, you know, something. Um, I would say yes, but you know, focus on controlling what you can control, mm-hmm. right? So I would walk down halls and I love to get dressed up. Like mm-hmm. t- truly my favorite. It makes me feel good inside when I have done my hair, I've done my makeup. I love makeup. If I wasn't in sports, I'd be in makeup. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would be dressed and I would walk around the, you know, Cowboys facility. And I remember one time a coach came up to me and goes, Oh, are you going on a date after work? And I was like, No. He's like, oh, well, you're dressed up so fancy. You just look like you're trying to get a date. And, you know, I would, that's one of many, many comments that's been said to me throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the best thing 
was that I grew up with a very strong mother figure. She was mm. extremely, uh, you know, hardworking and she was a great example for my sister and I. And I think looks can get you far in life. They really can. Let's mm-hmm. not, you know, act like they can't. It's, mm-hmm. it's nature. But they can get you far, but not long term. Yeah. You will eventually be exposed. You will eventually be seen for, oh, she's just here because she's pretty or she's mm-hmm. just here for this. It takes a lot of stuff to have behind you. So I work my butt off as far as, you know, research and studying and knowing things. Mm. Honestly, some of my favorite times are when I'm in meetings. Perfect example, I was in a meeting today. And I won't say, you know, who or what for, but it was it was with a sports league and we were talking to the entire office. And I was on with my colleague that I work with, who's a man, he's older, mm-hmm. and he's been in the business, you know, a long time. He's never played this sport either. He has as much experience playing the sport as I do. And we're talking and I could tell that the people from the league office were just simply talking to him. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't address me. They'd be like, oh, so-and-so, you know what I'm talking about? And then just say his name over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, luckily, I work with him a lot and he knows what I know. And he kind of turned to me and he goes, Taylor, you know, why don't you answer some of these? You, you know more about this than I do. And I started talking and they go, oh, we didn't realize you knew that, you know. And mm. now granted, I'm older now. But when I first mm. started with the Cowboys, I was only 23. And mm. I remember it was not just the fact that I was a young girl. It was also the fact that I was young. Mm. You know, I didn't know things. I, I wouldn't experience. But then people don't know your experience, right? So right. it would kind of take a second when I'd be like, oh, yeah, I worked in college football for five years and did this. They'd be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think that. Mm. So I'd just say control what you can control. People are going to have their views and opinions about you, whether you are a young girl, whether mm-hmm. you're an older guy. People are mm-hmm. always going to make assumptions. Mm. It's just hold your ground and your confidence, again, has to be in something that's objective where it's like, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think I do, and I do. Mm. I think that's so interesting, and I really love that example because I think, like, it shows, you know, like, even as, like, a successful female, like, you're operating in a world that is currently very dominated by men, you are still having to probably – not like necessarily because you work naturally really hard, but it's like almost just a smidge harder to make sure that you're like taken more seriously, which is unfair, but you're doing the work so that in years to come, like women don't have to overcome some of those same hurdles and can be taken seriously in a way that maybe you weren't out the gate. And I think that it's really important for any female or person in general, like to remember to your point, like I can't control their initial assumptions of me, but I can make sure that like I represent myself and what I'm doing to the best of my possible abilities. And maybe I can start to change their narrative and give them a different example of like, yeah, okay. Like you may or may not think I'm attractive. That's subjective, but like, I know what I'm talking about and I'm good at what I do. And I think it's really important for people to remember, like you might be kind of the outlier in a meeting, but that doesn't mean you have any less value. And it almost gives you like the upper hand because people expect less of you. And then you can kind of just say like, I know what I'm doing, like, and here's why. And like, bum, 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 bum. So that's super cool. Also of your coworker partner to kind of pull you in and make sure that like, I see what's happening here. And we need more men like that, you know, who can acknowledge like, 
this person has something to say, despite what you might be assuming, like I am not the end all be all of this conversation. So I appreciate in that sense that he did that too. I think that that, I don't know, I feel like not everybody would do that by far. Yeah, I mean, as many, you know, bad situations I have for those particular instances, I have good ones too. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of times where men just haven't been exposed to see it for mm-hmm. how it is. You know, they don't know, they think like sometimes like, oh, I don't know what you mean. And then you point out specific examples. Like, did you notice how they were just mentioning you the whole time? They're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, now that you point it out. Yeah. And there's also a sensitivity, right? You yeah. know, so I have to check myself with that to be mm-hmm. very self-aware and be like, am I just being sensitive to this? Or mm-hmm. is this really true? And and so I think being self-aware is very key because, you know, especially nowadays people are like, oh, you know, I didn't mean it like that. A lot of people don't mean to be hurtful or, yeah. you know, like it doesn't bother me when people say like, hey guys, I know people are like, hey guys and girls, like I hate when they overdo it. That really yeah. bothers me. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's it's just the preemptive nature of how our society's been set up. Yeah, it is. I mean, even kind of what you were saying earlier, it's like we all know, like, yes, like people who are considered attractive have things easier in life. People who are considered thin have things easier in life. People who are considered white have things easier in life. You know, like we are aware of the typical construct of our culture. And that doesn't mean that somebody who is playing into that is doing it intentionally or maliciously. But I think that like we have an opportunity to not assume the worst, but also make sure that there's an opportunity for education, just like you were doing of like, Hey, I know you probably didn't realize because you don't have to think about it because you haven't ever had to think about it. But here are just some examples of like how this was portrayed or whatever. And I think that is, I think the way that you probably are having those conversations is really well done and important. And again, continuing to shift the narrative of an industry that I think has a lot of opportunity for other women to come in and really be like big players in that world. And I think that that is honestly super exciting to think about. Well, I'm excited too. (laughs) Well, I know you mentioned kind of earlier at the beginning of the podcast that you have a podcast yourself called Thriving in the Wild. And I would kind of love to know, like, what does that mean for you? Why did you kind of focus on thriving in the wild and why did you want to focus on the idea of thriving in general? What does that mean for you? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you asking about that. Yeah. You know, I think as I was realizing that I wanted to have this creative outlet, uh, you know, my main, my main gig is my own business. It's not the podcast. I don't make any money off of it. And I didn't want to. I wanted it to be a, a place where I could connect with people like you, Cammy, mm-hmm. and connect with others in not just the sports industry, but in life and mm-hmm. in our culture and talking about things that I didn't feel I know there were I could look up podcasts or I could do these things, but I needed it where it was kind of in that point where it's like, hey, yeah, this sucks, but like don't worry, we can still thrive in this. And so mm-hmm. if you look up the definition of thriving. And thrive in general, it means to grow or to flourish. And so I love that definition. Mm. You know, I think that, I mean, I think we can all say this, that we all make mistakes. Mm. We all struggle. We all have different lows and different highs and different things like that, where we feel like we're at a stopping point or a turning point in our life. And I think especially in 2020, we all saw that pretty blatantly. And Mm. so, you know, 
I this was last August that I started thinking, you know, what am I missing? I want to have some semblance. And I thought, why not start a podcast where mm. we're talking about things that are in the harder nature of life? Mm. Um, and wild is a metaphor for life. You know, we're mm. all in this quote unquote wild. Yeah. And we're all figuring out these different things. And I also I knew I wanted to talk about things that maybe I hadn't even experienced. You know, I've never been married. I don't have any children, mm. but I've talked to people um, who've lost their children to suicide or who are, you know, Sean Johnson and Andrew Johnson or Andrew East came on together to do kind of a relationship podcast. And mm. I'm not married yet, but it was interesting to hear about how they've managed their relationship, how they've mm. done, you know, different personal work before getting married Mm -hmm. and I think that was what was so important to me is that I wanted to grow and flourish with these conversations I also wanted to say hey look thriving doesn't mean that everything is going great yeah thriving is a choice surviving is natural instinct we all Mm -hmm. can we have the ability to survive but to thrive is a choice and Mm -hmm. you have to make that choice with education and inspiration and support. And so that's what I really wanted this podcast to be. Oh, I love that. I think that that's like such a cool way to look at it and to remind people and like to be like to acknowledge that the thing that you want to be talking to about are some harder things or some things that you have been like yourself gone through. And I love the idea of to your point that thriving is a choice, you know, like we all are living right now, but are you like thriving within your life and in your space and kind of to echo back what we were saying earlier like everything might not be amazing or you might not love where your body's at right now or your job or whatever but that doesn't make it bad and so like if you can look at your life similarly and say like okay my life isn't going exactly like how I want but is there still opportunities for me to thrive in a different way to really like feed my soul and to find purpose in this life beyond just sort of the like basics of living, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you an example, um, a sneak peek of one of my favorite episodes coming in season two. And that is this um, young woman named Mallory Wegman, and she's a gold medalist Paralympian. Mm -hmm. And when she was 18 years old, she got shingles. And I guess one of, I've never had shingles, but one of the uh, kind of treatments for it is epidurals and mm-hmm. they will give you epidurals. And she was on a three session epidural shot and she went in for her third shot and she was paralyzed from the waist down. Wow. So 18 year old, perfectly healthy on her way to college. And now she is a paraplegic person mm-hmm. in society. And, you know, obviously she discusses how she absorbed that news, dealt with it. And then four months later, she found herself in a swimming pool and figured out like, look, I could do this and I could thrive in this. And Mm -hmm. now she's a gold medalist. She's going to Tokyo this year. And so to me, that is the exact epitome of what I was trying to accomplish and show listeners and provide inspiration for other people in the sense like, you may find yourself at 58 years old and you've lost your child. That's devastating. I can't fathom that. I truly cannot. But how can I meet that moment with grace? And how can I meet that moment with the sense of how can I grow and learn from this Mm -hmm. instead of letting this be for the rest of my life? I'm just going to hit survival mode. How can I thrive? Yeah. No, I think that that's a really beautiful perspective to have and something that I hope people can take away, especially from this episode. Like, 
is that you have the opportunity, no matter what your life has looked like in the past or where you're feeling at like right now, you have the opportunity to shift your mindset and shift your focus and say like, how can I thrive moving forward? How can I make the most of this life that I have to live and this opportunity to make an impact in this world? And that's where social media comes into play. Mm -hmm. I truly believe. So, you know, I may say that exact same story to somebody and a lot of people, and this is where I get defensive sometimes, be like, well, she got to do that because, you know, X, Y, and Z or blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, okay, if you go onto social media right now and you do a TikTok, you do a, a Twitter thread, if you do something, the chances of you that getting picked up and somebody wanting to help you are much higher than if you're just sitting at home complaining that no one's doing anything. Yeah. Social media, for as much negative it can breed or, you know, build into our lives, there's a lot of positive and there's a lot of opportunity. As much as we're talking about connection, you can connect with somebody who may say, hey, I'm going to give you $50,000 to go do this. Yeah. That's where I would say, hey, utilize social media for the benefits mm. and don't use it as an excuse. Yeah. I think that's a really great shift in perspective. It's easy to like harp on it and like think of all the negatives and think of all the things, but it's like your life can be changed in a click of a button, you know, if you decide to look at it differently and just take an opportunity, you know, it, you have no idea what could happen or what it's capable of. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you kind of said, and I agree, like, I don't think that there is a right way to thrive, but I think that we have this perception that thriving does look a certain way, right? Maybe via how your body looks or the amount of money you have or the amount of relationships that you have or things like that. So what have you personally kind of dealt with or overcome as you've kind of tried to create a life where you are thriving? So one thing that I found interesting, I think, and this is kind of especially for women. Mm -hmm. um, we often say, you know what, I'll be happy when I've lost 20 pounds, mm -hmm. or I'll be happy when my skin clears up, mm -hmm. or I'll be happy when I have a relationship, or I'll be happy when I make X amount of money. And for a long time, I was that person. I thought, okay, when I get to this certain goal weight, things will just start clicking for me. I'll mm -hmm. get that relationship. I'll be treated with more respect. I will have this X, Y, and Z opportunity. And so one thing that I've really learned in the last year was that happiness is an inside job and thriving mm -hmm. is an inside job. And so what it takes is it takes some mental understanding, some mental health kind of benefits and focus and working with a therapist or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, people feel comfortable with is vital. So once you start cleaning yourself from the inside out and by cleaning, that doesn't mean wiping clear or doing that it means just you know tidying up getting mm -hmm. correct on what does self-care look like for you you know what does therapy look like for you what does mental health look like for you mm -hmm. understanding that and then honestly it starts to bleed from the inside out and mm -hmm. I know that's kind of a, a weird way to say it but it is it, it's inside first and then you see it on the outside and so overcoming things, I would say my biggest insecurity has been my body image. Mm -hmm. You know, I had terrible body dysmorphia where I would look at a photo and think, oh my gosh, my thighs are so big or my hips are so big. And then I would show it to someone like, you know, my sister, for example, and she'd be like, what are you even seeing? Mm -hmm. You know, and I even 
now I'll look back at photos that I had edited to a point of, you know, unfamiliarity mm-hmm. and be like, why did I do that? I was so thin there or I didn't yeah. realize that. And so overcoming body dysmorphia, it's it's been a big thing to help me feel like I'm thriving because mm-hmm. I could be thriving and I could be in my element at work. And then somebody would take a photo and send it to me and I'd be like, oh my God, I look mm-hmm. terrible, you know? And so knowing that, you know, the mental clarity and the mental health aspect will really help all aspects of your life has been the biggest, biggest thing for me. Yeah, no, I think that that's, and I think a lot of people probably struggle similarly with just like body dysmorphia, then they might not realize, right? Like how common is it for us to critique photos of ourselves or see perceived flaws that are not really there and that's all we can see. And those are symptoms of body dysmorphia that we have very much so like normalized within our culture and said, like, yeah. this is acceptable. This is normal. And only until you start to your point, kind of doing that inner work and realizing like thinking about myself in this negative way constantly or having my whole day turned around because I didn't like a photo of myself or whatever it might be is putting a lot of like your joy and your happiness and your worth in something that is completely intangible, subjective, and moving constantly. And so I feel like so many people could benefit from the internal work and the internal conversation that it takes to realize that there is something going on that needs to be addressed. And you don't even have to have a disordered behavior or trauma in your past or whatever to still benefit and need therapy. I think that that's something that like, I feel really strongly about. And I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of people, I think the stigma is changing a lot. Yeah, definitely feel like there's still a stigma around people who need therapists or need medication of some kind or have a disorder of some kind. And it can feel like the only thing that defines them when really it's like, no, this is just like a piece of you and what you choose to do with it and how much energy you choose to give it. That's up to you. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So I think like how you've overcome that and shifted through that is really, really powerful. And I think that you're absolutely not alone. And based on kind of following you and getting to know you, I truly believe like you are creating just like the most beautiful, thriving life. And I'm sure that maybe some people listening to this episode would love to kind of know what they could maybe do if they're interested in working for a sports company like the Cowboys, or maybe they want to go out on their own like you and do a digital company of some kind. Do you have any advice for them if they're kind of getting started or some simple tips as to what you could recommend? Yeah. I mean, I think my biggest tip for anything, if you want to do anything, if you want to travel or if you want to start a company or if you want to work in sports, do it. Mm. Start somewhere. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that I've met before that have wanted to work in sports or that have wanted to do this. And they're like, you know what? Once that job opening comes with the Yankees, I'm going to apply. <laughs> well, you got to get some experience before you do that. Yeah. And so I would say start. Just start wherever you're at. If you're interested in starting a business, you know, you could go on TikTok and you could start, like, type in start a business and you're going to see 1,400 videos of people who have started their own LLC and here's how to do it and blah, 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 blah. Google is around mm-hmm. and use it. And I think that, you know, I one trick that I learned from Mel Robbins was, you know, don't think of the whole pie. Think of doing one thing every day. 
So if you want to work in sports and you think, okay, I'm going to do one thing every day, well, connect with someone like me on Instagram and Twitter. Maybe that's the one thing you do that day to get closer to working in sports. Mm. Maybe it's, you know, starting to DM a list of other people in the sports industry that you really admire and you have a lot of questions for. A lot of people are willing to help if you ask them. Yeah. And so I think just starting is the biggest tip, I would say. You know, there's if you know somebody who's done something similar, ask them how they did it. Mm-hmm. If you are, you know, kind of learning new things and you want to know, hey, how'd you learn this? A lot of YouTube videos. I watched <laughs> so many YouTube videos when I was first starting on Adobe Photoshop because mm-hmm. I didn't have the training in it and I knew that I needed it. So just use the internet as much as yeah. you can and know that nothing is glamorous. <laughs> nothing yeah. is as glamorous as it seems. And I think that goes for literally every industry. You know, yeah. um, my dad's a pilot and everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's such a glamorous lifestyle. And I'm like, yeah, he's gone like all the time. And, you know, it's yeah. not, it's, he's exhausted half the time. So just, just start. Yeah. No, I think that's, it's simple and true. And there's so much, I think people are kind of waiting for the perfect opportunity or the perfect connection, the perfect job. And your point, a lot of how you and I both got to where we currently are, which is not the end of the road either, but is a lot of like behind the scenes, grinding, Googling, YouTubing. And now more than ever, we have access to brilliant people for free, if you would just like read an article or two or a book or Google or TikTok or Instagram, sending to your point, I have gotten so just when I was starting personal training, I was reaching out to people on social media who had a larger yeah. following than me and be like, hey, if I train you for free, will you share about it if you enjoy it? Or would that be something that I could do? Multiple people said yes, because who doesn't want a free personal training session? And I ended yeah. up being able to simply grow from certain things like that. And I think that you would assume like, oh, look, she's like out training and it looks so easy and simple. And it's like, do you know how many DMs I sent before I got like one person that said yes, you know? Even in social media, I've gotten so many people that have asked me, oh, how do I grow my followers? How do I do this? And the simple answer is consistency. Yeah. Like you have to be consistent with anything. And you know that from a personal training standpoint, because I'm like, I'm the kind of person that goes in once and I'm like, where are my abs? Yeah. <laughs> sit-ups. And yeah. you're like, you did a hundred sit-ups one day and then 364 other days you're eating potato chips for dinner. Yeah. Like, that's your answer. So your answer. I think consistency is key and just starting and then making sure you're doing it. You know, yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, I posted once like three months ago. And it's like, yeah, that's not going to cut it, you yeah. know? And That goes for every single industry, consistency and starting. Yeah, absolutely. One, my husband was giving um, my sister some advice just about job stuff. And what he said, I really liked. And I think for a lot of us, we can assume that, you know, like your career is supposed to be this steady incline up whatever, however you want to picture it. But he's like, what it really is, is like you climbing a mountain and you climbing a mountain does not mean you're always going up. Sometimes it means you move laterally so that you can find a better direction up. Sometimes you have to take a step back, reroute, and then you can head up. And I think so often 
wherever you're at in your career, you're assuming that like, I have to do this next thing that gets me up for pay or job title or whatever. And it's like, sometimes those moves are going to feel really simple, maybe even feel like a slide backwards. But if you keep showing up consistently and continue to make intentional movement, then you will continue to move up and forward. And I think that that's something that a lot of us can say like, it's just, it's not always linear in this straightforward path. Like you're doing a lot of adjusting always as you're trying to figure out the best way to keep going. Absolutely. So is there anything exciting that you're currently working on or anything that you're excited about? Maybe tell people how they can find you, connect with you. Cause I definitely know they're going to want to. Well, thank you. I can, I am at Tay Stern on every single social platform. <laughs> at Thrive-In Podcast for Twitter and Instagram. Okay. And, you know, yeah, I think I'm excited. I took a break after I finished season one of the podcast. And I did that very intentionally because I could feel myself getting a little bit kind of not burnt out per se, but I could feel it where it was like, I was just doing it kind of to get through the motions. And so I took a break. I did not look at the podcast for two and a half months. Like did not even look at it. Early, when I was doing the podcast, legitimately every day, I felt like I was like looking at the downloads, like a clock and like waiting yeah. for the time to go and be like, is one more person listening to it? Like crazy person. So it's now nice to kind of have that reset, kind of rebranding it a little bit. Mm. I had really gone in with more of the nature wild-esque focus in the first season. Okay. And in the second season, I'm going to be coming at it from more of a lifestyle standpoint where it's, hey, this this is life. It's not you know, we are in the wild nowadays and how yeah. you're going to navigate a cancer diagnosis or how you're going to navigate quitting your job or moving to a new city mm-hmm. or, you know, a relationship ending or any of the different things that we encounter in a lifetime. I think that's what I'm really excited about. And I have some really great guests. It is actually going more toward sport focus this season. And I kind of tried so hard to go against that last year. And I looked at it in the, you know, this break and I was like, why am I doing that? Like, this is my, you know, area and this is my, you know, passion in life. Why can't I merge the two? So I have a ton of athletes, <laughs> athletes, athletes people will want to hear from. And yeah. so I'm really excited about that. Well, that is awesome. I can't wait for season two to come out and for people to check it out. And I just so appreciate all the value that you've offered today and the insights and your journey. And I just know that people are going to love this episode. I can't wait for them to hear it. Thank you, Cammie. I'm so pumped that we got connected. I know. Me too. Well, thank you, Tay. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast interview, and if you are enjoying the podcast and loving these interviews, please go ahead and rate and review the Worth More podcast wherever you listen. I am always happy to hear y'all's thoughts, suggestions, feedback, so make sure you reach out to me on social media or through my website. I would love to hear you, and I hope you have an amazing day.